0: All right, here we are. This is the start of our f- was it fourth soybean aphid podcast for June second, 2015, and I'm Matt O'Neill. This is
1: and I uh, hi everyone. I'm Erin Hodson,
0: and we are for the first time ever recording on location at the 70th annual North Central Branch meeting of the Entomological Society of America in Manhattan, Kansas been a great meeting yeah yeah we've just gotten most of the meeting done we had the awards ceremony uh, everybody was a winner had some winners <laughs> from uh, iowa state eric clifton won first place for yeah. his poster yep and mike
1: won. dunbar got third place in his paper presentation
0: yeah. vertice albrecht uh got third place for his talk and um yeah a lot of good stuff yeah we uh I'm so excited we're doing this on location. I this know. is fun. It
1: feels almost semi-professional.
0: Yeah. <laughs> almost like we know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so in the spirit of the soybean aphid podcast, uh, there were talks about soybean aphids and uh, I saw a couple. How about you? Did you see any?
1: Would I saw a couple, but actually most of the things I'm attending are not related to soybean aphid. They're pest management and mm. other aspects.
0: Yeah, so this meeting handles uh, insect pests and beneficial insects, and just all things insects. But having said that, there was kind of a cool talk. Um, did, I forget the guy's name. He's a student of uh, Bob Cook. Cook Tavez. Tavez, just Tavez. Uh, I can't.
1: I can't remember his last name.
0: Tavez Alvarez. Anyway, yes. he's uh, a PhD student, and he was studying how the light reflected from plants can help us determine whether they're infected with aphids or not. And it looked like he found a couple of uh, wavelength uh, spectrum bands that could um, detect that.
1: So is he using drones or is he using remote ah, sensing? that's a great question. Remote sensing. All
0: right. Yeah. No. So what they were doing was just putting a very, very expensive camera above plants oh. and doing this in the oh. like gre- greenhouse lab oh, okay. setting. But the point was that that expensive camera can take photographs in very narrow spectrums. And then they went and uh, analyzed the data to see which spectrum best predicted whether there were aphids present or not. So the next step uh, is to-
1: Take it outside.
0: That's right. But but have a camera that's not as expensive that would just be focused on those spectrum, those spectra, um, those individual bands. And yeah, and go from there. Although in talking to his advisor, uh, Bob, and they're leading up to doing the sort of remote sensing with either drones um, or airplanes but he was saying that that's not a done deal yet because there's all kinds of issues when it comes to you know putting a camera on a de- uh, on any device and picking up a signal whether there's you know uh, what clouds or dust or um, that would interfere with that so not something that's quite yet done, but it was interesting and hopeful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of talk about using that type of technology for pest management. So it's nice to see they're starting to do that, yeah. even if it's just on a small scale. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. And there were other talks about that kind of technology for things other than soybeans and soybean aphids. Yeah. Some stuff on wheat and, uh, um, what was it, wheat? Uh, Dectes, uh, stem borer. All right. So, but enough about what. We saw. We uh, I heard a really interesting talk from a graduate student at Ohio State University. Uh, not so much about soybean aphids, but about lady beetles. And uh, that is our special guest, <laughs> Alice Vosbrink. Did I pronounce that right, Alice? Yes, you did. And uh, where are you from?
2: I'm from the Ohio State University. The Ohio. Okay, okay. And, We're going there. And who do you work with? <laughs> I work with Dr. Mary Gardner and Dr. Andy Michael. Oh
0: yeah. And you're a what kind of graduate student are you?
2: PhD student. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did my master's at University of Illinois. Oh, did you really? I did. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Who did you work with there?
2: I worked with Barry Pittendrigh.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. He's like the what uh insect resistance management guy does quite a bit of work with
2: Yeah, and he was on part of the team who did the uh body louse genome. Oh yeah? yeah?
0: Yeah. Did you work with body?
2: I did I was not part of that at all. Oh, that's a shame. But
0: you don't seem broken up about that. <laughs> <You seem pretty>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of looking at bases on the computer, I think. Uh-huh
1: not so much lice collections?
2: I would have volunteered for that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all
0: right, well, moving on to wow. the your topic of research now. Yeah, it sounds exciting. So you, uh, I knew, I, I didn't actually know Alice. Part of the reason why I was excited to see her is you, you contacted me, what, a year ago? Yeah. To come out to collect lady beetles in Iowa?
2: Yeah, so I collected uh, in all the states in the Midwest.
0: Uh, Wow.
1: So you went around to collect beetles or? Yeah, me
2: and a couple undergrads drove around the Midwest collecting beetles in alfalfa fields. What
1: what were you hoping to find?
2: Um, So some of the native lady beetle species have been declining. Um, So we are hoping to get specimens for population genetic analysis to kind of understand um, how the populations are doing in the different states. And the second portion which I talked about today was we wanted to look at their gut contents because some people are worried that exotic lady beetles are eating the native lady beetles.
0: So there are so we've got a kind of a broad audience. Exotic lady beetles are those that have what, been brought over mostly from Asia and like Harmonia aritis.
1: the multicolored Asian lady beetle that people know that mass on structures in the fall, right? And, and get into homes. Yeah. And,
0: and we think it's a pretty important uh, predator for um, soybean aphid biocontrol. Yeah.
1: So that's an example of exotic, is that right? Yes.
2: Okay.
0: So what's a native lady beetle?
2: Um. So one that is pretty common around Ohio is the pink-spotted lady beetle. Uh-huh. Um, out west, the convergent lady beetle is pretty widespread.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're looking at their gut, you mean you're actually pulling them open and looking at their stomach contents?
2: I am not. I, I saw a study who did that and that seemed really difficult but today we can use molecular techniques uh, and you can look at the DNA in the gut contents okay. and figure out what they're eating. Oh, okay.
0: So you have markers for the native lady beetles that if you pull out the gut you could find their DNA inside the gut of an uh, exotic lady beetle. Yeah, that's and then, correct. And then that tells you that that exotic lady beetle ate one of our natives. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so
1: why why would the beetles eat other beetles? Um, they're hungry. Yeah. So there's, just, there's not enough aphids? There's not enough other food, so they go after beetles? I'm sorry. This is Alice. <laughs> that's
2: OK. Uh, well, they're generous predators. So uh, I think a lot of times they're just opportunistic, and they'll eat okay. what's around them. Okay. Um, their studies have suggested, well, so lady beetles are chemically defended, which means they're toxic to predators. Uh, so there's some evidence that in some cases, if a lady beetle eats another lady beetle, that might enhance its toxicity.
0: Oh no way! All right, so I know the Harmonia people that pick up the multicolored Asian multicolored lady beetle, it, it'll um, let out a little stink. Kind of a uh, like a, an
1: alkaloid type yeah.
0: of. I think it's called methoxypyrazine. I don't oh. know if that's an alkaloid, okay. but it's a it's a very uh, s- smelly compound, and it uh, it comes out in a little bit of blood that yeah. they what excrete from their legs. And yeah. Their body.
2: yeah, it's yeah. called reflex bleeding. Uh-huh. Um, and it's to prevent against predation or mm-hmm. attack.
0: So do the native um. beetles do that as
1: well?
2: They do. It really varies by species, Uh but harmonia is definitely one of the lady beetles that is really obviously Mm -hmm. does that.
1: I know when I handle them, my hands get really itchy, so I try not to like hold them for long periods of time because my hands will just break out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people are allergic to harmonia and that they when they get into homes, you get people with like respiratory problems. Okay. It. yeah it's a pain yeah. so what did all right so uh what did you find did you find evidence that the exotic lady beetles are consuming our natives is that the problem
2: i did um and the rates varied from like well in some cases the seven i looked at the seven spot and the multicolored asian lady beetle and in one site the and seven those spot, are both exotic those right? are both exotics. okay um and in one site the seven spot didn't eat any i didn't find any evidence um, and then some places, the Harmonia ate as much as 12 or 15% of the beetles we found had eaten native species.
0: Were you surprised by that amount?
2: I was surprised, because earlier studies I read found much lower amounts. Okay. Um, and so the multicolored Asian lady beetle was more aggressive about eating the native species. Wow.
0: B- more aggressive than the other exotic species. Yeah, correct. So how about the flip side of that? Is there any evidence that the natives are feeding or going after the exotic lady beetles?
2: Um, so in my study, that's the next thing I want to look at. Okay. Um, but I have read papers that the natives do exhibit predation on the exotics. Uh, also, both the multicolored Asian lady beetle and the seven-spotted lady beetle are fairly large. Those are the two exotic species. Um, so it's easier for them. To eat some of the smaller natives, Oh, okay. whereas the natives are able to eat the exotic lady beetles, um, but when they're younger or when they're eggs, mm-hmm. and so they can't eat maybe the older instars. Okay.
0: So we uh, you got another? Where do you go from here? You got another year uh, or two of data collecting, and you want to uh, address the genetic part of this. Where can people go to find more information about this?
2: Um, well. I work, and Mary Gardner has a website for the uh, it's abbreviated the Ale Lab. So A L E. So if you go to the Ohio State University website, the entomology uh-huh. department, uh, you can find Mary's lab. Okay. Does
0: she have any outreach programs related to lady beetles?
2: She actually does. She in Ohio, she has the Buckeye Lady Beetle Blitz, and that's a citizen science project where we have people collect lady beetle samples in their own garden. And this helps us get an idea of what species are out there. Might
0: put the links to those in our. I can do that. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about that. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thanks. That's fascinating.
0: And that was just a tip of the iceberg. Oh my God. That was one (laughs) talk out of what? 200? A couple hundred. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Okay. Are we done? I think we're done. First ever on the road. On location. Yes.
1: It's great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alice. Thank Thank you.